welcome to the 43rd episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I am one of your co-hosts and an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, uh, where I teach, among other things, um, minority rhetorics and digital rhetorics, and I specialize in video games, video games, video games. And I am joined today, as in every podcast day, by my two co-hosts, Alex Lane and Nicole Marie. Ladies, hello. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a Mrs. Doubtfire every time yeah. I say that, yeah. <laughs> I'm alright with it, though. Mm-hmm. So who you are you, Nicole? <laughs> oh, I am Nicole Marie, <laughs> aka Mrs. Doubtfire, and <laughs> I am a recent Purdue grad, uh, well, undergrad grad, and I am now a senior game advisor at GameStop. Woo! Woo. <laughs> Fancy title right there. But otherwise, a lover of video games and making it awesome for women. <laughs> Yeah. Woo. I like that. I'll take that. Um, I am Athlane, PhD candidate at Purdue in the rhetoric and composition program. And I study gender and the games industry. And I'm recording on my new fancy headset today. And I'm very excited about it. I kind of like the way those sound. I might have to get some of those. Does it sound nice? It does. Yeah. It sounds pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, I was researching all these different wireless headsets and um, I like searched through tons of them and you'd have to spend like 400 bucks to get one that has good reviews. Um, but this one, this is a, I'm on a PS3 one, um, had phenomenal reviews across the board um, for everything from audio, uh, you know, talking into the mic to, to the sound. So I went with it and good. I'm glad it sounds good. Okay, can I just tell you something really quickly? And this is for all the folks out there listening to, especially folks here at Purdue. I'm sitting down in 205A, which is our lab where we do mostly game stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for the new um, for the new wireless network on campus, can I just tell you there was a huge router hanging from the ceiling. We will be gaming with no loss in here very very soon. It's hanging from the ceiling. I like that. <coughs> that's very exciting to me. Okay. Yeah. That's enough. Whew. That's my excitement for the day. Well, it, for those who don't know the context of this, um, what happens when we game in that room is people have to walk to the hallway to get a wireless signal and then slowly walk back. Into the <laughs> room. Just like back into the room slowly. It's, it's like taking the internet from the hallway. Wow. So... There's, there's much to be excited about. <clears throat> Indeed. So we'll go about our usual things of what you're playing, what you're reading, what you're drinking. And then, of course, we will get into our other fun stuff like news and Indie Game of the Week and our issue of the week. Um, so let's start with what you're playing. Um, and since on, for some strange reason on the show notes, I appear to be first. <clears throat> um, I'll tell you what I'm playing. Um, I actually spent a little time playing some um xbla um games this week or these last couple weeks and uh, then some other fun stuff uh i am not a lover as most of you know of the stealth game 
Um, I am very much the run and gun kind of gamer. Uh, but I had heard such like awesome things about Mark of the Ninja, um, which is the the new um, stealth. It's kind of ha- a stealth platformer um, where you play a ninja who has to uh, who has to go out and you know save folks that have been kidnapped and there's all this other stuff that's going on. But the interesting thing about this, the mark of the ninja, um, and I did, did a really horrible job of explaining that. Um, the really cool, the coolest thing about the mark of the ninja is that the ninja has a mark. And ultimately what this mark does is makes him a more powerful ninja. Um, it makes you kind of badass through the entire game. But um, as you are told at the beginning of the game, this mark will ultimately um, drive you insane. So at the end, you're going to have the choice of um, like just going around and being insane and probably killing folks, or you can kill yourself. Whoa. <laughs> that is deep. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, it's um, it's a Microsoft Studios game, but the developer is uh, Klee Entertainment. That's K-L-E-I. Um, it, like I said, I'm not, I'm a run and gun kind of gamer. I got some, I got, a, I got some fun times out of this. It's, it is really stealthy. Um, it, but it's cool kind of stealth. It's not like the, the stealth where as long as like the guard has his back to you, you can like bang pans behind his head and he won't see you. No, you, they actually give you visualization of sound waves when you're playing this game and they show how far they carry. So they can hear you even if you're like sneaking up like, you know, a half a screen behind them if you're being too loud. Um, so it's it's good AI. Um, and one of the other interesting things about it is that you have like this peek functionality where you can like peek through doors or if you're coming up through panels in the floor or panels in the down from panels in the ceiling, you can peek down and see into a room. Um, you can shoot out lights, but when you shoot out the lights, um, it also kind of heightens, it puts, um, the guards on alert because they run over to see what's going on. And so it's got smart AI for a stealth game. And I think that that's part of the reasons I don't generally like stealth games is because the AI is stupid. Right. So, I mean, cause anytime I'm like, what, just running up behind you and I can run up behind you and like assassinate you because you got your back to me and you don't hear me running, um, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no suspending disbelief there, right? Um, it's just kind of, it's just kind of nutty. Um, mm-hmm. But I really liked Mark of the Ninja um, for a stealth game. Um, I did not play through the through to the end, but I played a whole lot longer than I would have played any other stealth game. I will tell you that, and I may actually <laughs> go back and finish it at some point because it's something that you know I actually enjoyed playing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I was pretty imp- I was pretty impressed. Um, okay, and then there was another XBLA game that I knew I shouldn't have played um, <laughs> because I am I like Guitar Hero. I I never bought a Guitar Hero game. Never bought a Guitar Hero game because I sucked at it. No matter how much I played with anybody else anywhere else, I sucked. Absolutely and completely. I've so. played with you. I don't remember you sucking. Well, <laughs> let me let me explain. 
when rock when the rock band games came out, I have like three or four different rock bands, right? Because the other instruments I am not so bad at. And as I got better at some of the other instruments, you know, as I got better at like drums, because I'm actually pretty good at drums. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm a halfway decent singer. So, um, and so that, so the singing's not bad, but as I got better at drums and got more used to, instead of concentrating on those stupid buttons on the guitar and got more used to thinking about just going with the colors, remembering where things are and just like letting it flow, I got better at guitar too. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't suck at guitar so much anymore. So, um, but then, you know, rock band blitz came out for XBLA where you actually only have like two buttons that you push um, in order to push color buttons. You either use the D pad on the left side or the A button, I think on the right side. And the way that you shift tracks to go over to like, I think they're like at the max, I think five or six tracks and you have to go over um, left or right to the track and then hit the button when you when you get the little you know little pop-up button that shows you you're supposed to hit or popped up button and you're supposed to hit you know what I mean you get this yeah. right okay so you have to use your trigger buttons to move you from track to track and then your d-pad and your a button to actually push the buttons does that make sense yeah okay I can't do that <laughs> yeah I was gonna say that sounds <laughs> Like you would need a lot of dexterity. <laughs> I I have a lot of dexterity. I do. I'm a gamer. Been a gamer for a long time. Play handheld games, play Xbox games, play PS3 games, play Wii games. I mean, I can do multiple controllers and I don't have a problem. I'm like, I'm one of those people who doesn't have a problem with like the back pad on the Vita. It doesn't throw me off because I can separate the front fingers from the back fingers. I've got good dexterity and good hand-eye coordination and my mind kind of is able to separate those things. Rock Band Blitz made me look like a guitar looks like made me look like a guitar hero freaking genius do you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's if it great. was more than two tracks apart if there was no chance in hell i was going to hit that button i mm. was so it just frustrated me to no end now that being said for someone better than me that's going to be a great game because it pulls, if you have rock band, it pulls, it lets you use all your rock band tracks and it's got new tracks in it. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a great way to, I don't, but if you got rock band, well, unless you just don't want to pull out all those instruments and you want to play rock band by yourself, but really how often do you want to play rock band by yourself? No, it's a party game. It's a party game. That's a let's get yeah. drunk and sing really loud game. Or let's let let's well, I play with my kids, so I'm not drunk. Um, but it's you know let P sing or you know let P bang on the drums and we're gonna listen to music game while she dances around. Um, yeah, but I tried it. I don't know why. It was kind of one of those one of those masochistic moments. Sure. <laughs> like let's see how much I can torture myself. And that's what I did. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Um oh, I played a couple other things. Um I bought the um the indie bundle um that was out, not the humble bundle, but the other indie bundle. You know, the one I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. I'm like, you know the one I'm talking about. Hey, you know. 
Uh, Indie Royale bundle. That's what it was. Right, right. Um, so I bought the Indie Royale bundle. And um, in it was uh, Dangerous High School Girls in Trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, which I know you have played Alex Lane. And a, right. a friend of ours that also was like addicted to for a while there. Yeah, she really uh, liked so it. I decided to check it out because it wasn't, when you guys were talking about it, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. They're like, oh, it's kind of a board game and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, if it's a board game, maybe I'll like it. I'll check it out. So I bought the Indie Royale bundle just for Dangerous High School Girls in Trouble because I actually owned everything else I wanted in that bundle. That happens to you a lot, I think. It does. <laughs> I, I end up buying, well, it goes to charity, so I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I bought it. And I played Dangerous High School Girls in Trouble. And can I just say I hated it? <laughs> oh no. You, you didn't think it was um you didn't think it was like a uh what do you call it? A board game? It was like a board game. Oh, okay. The characters were stupid. Um well, you could be well, yeah. it's called Dangerous High School Girls in Trouble. Right. And um so what happens uh, is you are playing kind of the mean girl in charge and you have to go around and recruit girls to be in your mean girl gang, but you're solving a mystery at the same time. Um, and in order to like get people to give you information, you have to like either fib, which is play poker, um, uh, expose, which is play this word game where you expose words and then you have to guess what the remaining words are. Um, taunt, which is like play this play this game of the dozens um, that you can only win if you have like acquired the perfect comeback from someone else that you've already taunted uh, with and lost or perhaps won. Um, and I think there's one more. So it's a series of mini games mm-hmm. that um, help you uh, kind of expose clues that help you solve this mystery. Um, and then there is the dangerous adult game that you have to play, which I won't spoil it for you because you'll find that one out if you decide to play dangerous high school girls in trouble. Um, <laughs> yeah, I what what like I said, the characters were stupid um, and vapid. I won't say stupid; they were vapid. Yeah, there you go. Um, and I hated the mini games, so that just made the game bad for me because I hated the mini games. Um, they weren't challenging. They were just like, keep pushing this button until you figure it out. Um, and that's what, that's what did it for me is I didn't like the mini games. There was no challenge to the mini games more than probably more than anything else. Well, no, the, the vapid characters, um, they were just bad stereotypes of 1940s flappers. You know, yeah. you had the, you know, you had the, the, the wanton vixen. Um, you had, uh, the, um, clearly lesbian tomboy. You had the um, the shy, the, the ultra shy girl. You had um, the artsy theater type girl who was totally self absorbed. I mean, so they were all these like horrible nineteen, and they were like all dressed in nineteen forties like flapper style clothing. Yeah, I hated it. Um, <laughs> To say that I hated it, but I I played this game for like two hours because I kept trying to give it a chance. I was like, it's got to get better. Everybody else liked it. <coughs> Excuse me. It didn't. Well, not 
there's a difference. I don't know. I didn't like it, but I thought it was like, you know, worth playing and checking out or whatever, particularly because the stereotypes of the the girls in it are so horrible, right? Um, so I think I think it, uh, the other person who played it that we know really liked it, but uh, I didn't like it per se. Uh, well, I hated it. <laughs> that's fair. No love for this game. No love for this game, none at all. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, and I played two more games, and I'll go through those quickly. Uh, one was Analog, a hate story. Um, which was awesome. Um, it is predominantly a text-based game. You do get um, uh, the visual of the AI that you are interacting with um, throughout the game because what what happens is what happens is you wake up on a seemingly a spaceship um, mm -hmm. above you know and you're like in space um, and <laughs> the Earth as you know it has has supposedly been destroyed um and society has been recreated um and it is very um margaret atwood's handmaid's tale ish um and so the story uh starts to unfold of what the society is like um and seemingly they're koreans but they now all speak chinese hmm. It's very strange, yeah. Um, the story starts to unfold. It's a politically based story, but there's also so it's it's very kind of traditional uh, politics and gender politics all rolled into one um, because the main person in the story is the pale bride, um, who is is awakened from cryo sleep. Um, to be the bride of a um, a higher up in their political chain um, to bear him male children. So she is kind of thought to, you know, she was going to be the savior, I guess, of this, of this familial line. Um, but lots of interactions between women in the family, lots of interactions between uh, men and women, both in the family and out of the and outside of the family. I'm not gonna. I'm trying not to tell too much, um, but it is very much a feminist dystopia, mm -hmm. um, and an awesome freaking game. Like I said, it's it's all text based, with the exception of the little picture of the AI who moves around a little bit, but you know, it's very kind of giffy, um, gif as in G I F. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who kind of moves around a little bit on the side and, and the story unfolds. Um, and as you interact with the AI, um, she uh, reveals more. Cause what you're reading um, is kind of uh, logs or journal entries. She calls them logs, but they're journal entries from these various and sundry people um, that are, that are, this is an, and this is what's unfolding the story for you. Um, definitely a pretty good game. I, God, I mean, I get, I sit down to play this game. I'm like, I want to play this for like five or 10 minutes. And I get sucked in for like an hour or two hours. I mean, and this mm -hmm. is just, like I said, a text-based game that I'm not playing to play as a full, like gaming experience or not thinking that I am, but I'm just going to play for an hour or so to read through these things. And I'm having a ball with that game. I highly, highly recommend that one. Hmm. 
Um, and the last game that I'm playing, and I won't talk about much now because I know someone else is playing it, so I'll just jump in and converse when that happens. <laughs> it's bad. Um, so, uh, yeah, we said a couple weeks ago that we were going back in the, Alex and I were going back in the WoW to prepare for the release of the Mr. Pandaria, uh, expansion pack. And we did. Yeah, we did not disappoint, did we? We did not disappoint. So, <laughs> yeah. and pandas, um, yeah, unfortunately I am a, uh, a panda hunter alliance because Alex Lane and our and our other friend refused to go forward. Um, We're so. not going to talk about this here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have a Ford Panda elsewhere, but uh, I got an Alliance Panda. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm playing with them. <laughs> and we'll talk more about that later. I know, you got to get off Panda Island, man. I may be off Panda Island elsewhere. Well, oh, all of these may or may not mean <laughs> nothing to me because your panda that I know of is not off Panda Island. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nicole, what you been playing? Well, the bulk of my time has been spent playing Borderlands 2. As you have probably seen from my last post on Not Your Mama's, um, my little sister has turned into a total Nazi of my time. Um, anytime she comes home and like, I've just gotten home from work and she just got back from class. I like want to eat food or something. And she's like, no, we're playing Borderlands. Like you have an hour, right? Let's play right now. <laughs> so I've been playing a lot of that. Um, it's really good definitely really good i haven't met too many people in the world who haven't enjoyed borderlands um and then borderlands 2 is really just a awesome extension of the first game there's a lot of good things that they improved upon like in the first game if you picked up a gun that your friend needed but you had one that wasn't like you had one that was better and you didn't need it you just had to drop it and have them pick it up but now there's a whole trading system involved, and that's really nice. I'm really liking the trading system. Um, and the menus are different. Um, I definitely just have been totally enjoying the game. As far as, like, if it's, like, a, I don't know if it's a beef that I have with a game or if it's just something that I'm just noticing as I play it. It's not really all that different from the first one. Like, there's little little bits and tidbits here and there, and obviously parts of the story is different. But you're still a vault hunter. You're still going towards one of these, like, mystery alien vaults. And you're still kind of fighting this overarching, like, evil in the game. But I like it. I don't think that they needed to improve upon what they were doing quite yet. Maybe if they come out with a third one, they'll need to switch things up. But I'm not sick of it yet, so it's been great. That's um, what I was going to ask you is because is, I didn't play the original Borderlands, but I was mm-hmm. thinking about picking up Borderlands too. Okay. Will I miss anything if I do that? Not really, because you basically get everything recounted for you, mm-hmm. and you're you you're running into the vault hunters that you could have played in the first one while you're playing the second one. Like you're interacting with those characters the entire time that you play the second one. Gotcha. So like 
you might miss out on like the subtle jokes. And that's one of the things that I love about this game is just the humor that's present the whole time. But it definitely could be a total case study for like our website because some of the jokes that they have in there, they're just like blatantly just bad, stereotypical and not something that maybe you want to see them perpetuating. But just because they have the um, scooter, he's the like car person and he's very much the like hillbilly redneck character of the game and some of the comments that he has are just really horrible (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um as far as like your interaction with the other characters from the first game they you don't really miss out on anything as far as the story it's all recounted for you so you can definitely pick up the second one and just keep playing it so that's good cool i'm i think i'm gonna i've been trying to avoid it Okay. Uh, and I was I was trying to avoid it because there's so much stuff coming out this month and I really have to like pace myself or you know I'm going to be like begging on a street corner and yeah. uh, <laughs> so I was thinking I was going to pick up RE6 this week um but since the reviews have been so heinous I think I'm going to hold off till that goes on sale and yeah. maybe I'll pick up Borderlands which will probably go on sale pretty quickly <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, maybe, like I worked. That's a game fly rental. Yeah, exactly. I worked. Uh-huh. I worked all day yesterday, and it was definitely one of our busiest like release dates um, since I've been working at this store. Mm-hmm. And but the thing is, is like all these people that are coming in to pick it up have not read any reviews or anything. Like most of them are people who are just fans of the series, and obviously they're just gonna by default pick this one up. So I'm curious to see as the week progresses, like which day is the first day that we get the first Resident Evil 6 traded in. (laughs) Like what day will that be? I think it'll be pretty quick. We'll see though. But I have that sitting on hold right now. I, um, they, at this store, um, I can store borrow it when it's a brand new game. I don't have to wait for it to be used. Um, and then when, whenever we bring that back, we just, uh, discount it 10%. For a shop-worn discount. Um, So I got that. And I'm going to be playing that. Because I will hopefully be writing an article about it for Friday. And then the other game that I picked up. Because it's been so hard to find. And it finally came in. And I store-borrowed it. And then traded in one of my controllers to buy it. (laughs) Is Alice Return to Madness. And I don't know if either of you played this game. No, I think I have it. I think I bought it on Steam. I think that was one of the 5,000 games I bought on the Steam sale. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good buy. Because the crazy thing is, is, like, it's a really rare find as far as pre-owned games go. And they don't make it new anymore. So really, the only way you can buy it is either for exorbitant amounts on eBay or used. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone finally traded in a copy for the 360. And I jumped on it. Um just because overall the reviews for the game have been phenomenal from the people who have played it. Mm-hmm. But I think from the critics, they kind of didn't like it so much because it's a really dark, dark game. Like, this yeah. is not something you should let your children even be in the same household as you while you're playing. <laughs> um, Ooh, I want this now. It's so, it's so dark. It's really good, though, because one of my favorite 
points of it is just how they've taken on the like kind of the lore of Wonderland and how like um I mean obviously if you're not familiar with Wonderland but Wonderland is all in Alice's mind and it's all a reflection of like what's going on in her life mm-hmm. so the greatest part I think about this game is how well it reflects that so while you're playing, like, you're constantly searching for these memories. Like, it's not a point of the game, but you find, like, you encounter them, and then, like, you can you can do more difficult jumps or moves or whatever to get to one that you see. Um, and the memories that you find are kind of directly influencing or have influenced, like, the, the next part of the game that you're going to interact with. Mm-hmm. And it's just really, it's really cool. Um you switch in and out of being Alice in Wonderland and then Alice in the real world. And that's also a really nice way that I think that they've kind of shown you how dark and twisted her like mind has gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really cool. The graphics are great. Every time you go to a new like area, um, like when you're going to where the Mad Hatter is, it's all mechanical her dress changes to be more like mechanical and steampunky. Oh, nice. And now I'm underwater. So her dress is all all, like fishy. It has like uh, scales and stuff all over it. I think that's really cool. I'm really enjoying this game. I think it sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) It's a really good game. It's definitely super dark. And the reviews that I've read, this is just a disclaimer for anyone who may want to pick it up. There, there are bits of like, like insinuated child molestation in the game. So oh, that nice. Deeply, of course, though. I will not pick it up. <laughs> so. Oh God! Hopefully, I don't pick up on that, but I probably will because that always disturbs me so deeply, and then I have to quit playing. And right. Ah, uh, okay. So <laughs> That's definitely. Um, that's definitely the game that I've been, the two games that I've really been playing, and I'm really excited for Resident Evil 6, um, just to kind of see if what the critics are saying is really the uh, the actual like review that I'll come up with for it, so we'll see. Well, um, Alex Lane, FYI, uh, Alice Madness Returns is 20 bucks on Steam. Oh, there you go. See I think it sounds fun on the Xbox, though. Well, you can use... Let's see. Hold on. Uh, oh, let's see. No, you can't. No controller. It uh, doesn't look like you can use your controller on the Steam game. That's weird. Usually, if it's a cross-platform game, they allow you to do that. I would think that you would want to get it with the controller, the way that the controls are. I think you would... Because, like, when you jump, you have to, like, hit the jump button to do different things, like, over and over again. And I don't think that that's something that would translate well to your keyboard. Oh, it's not even that as much as that I've been playing so much Panda that, like, the way I play games on my computer is, like, starting to make my back sore and stuff. So I'd like a break. Yeah, Uh... definitely. (laughs) You know? Even, like, my hands, like, are kind of sore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to get a repetitive stress injury i did that to myself once upon a time i got my very first i'm gonna admit this my very first rsi from playing final fantasy 7 no way Mm -hmm. (laughs) i blew my wrist out playing final fantasy 7 way back in the day well there it is there you go indeed I am hard freaking core. Do you understand? 
I remember you telling me that story like right when I first got here, and I was like, holy shit, this person's awesome. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome as in sad. <laughs> no, awesome as an awesome, man. It's pretty awesome. All right. Awesome. So, yeah, Nicole, we're going to be definitely looking forward to your um, what you have to say about RE6. Yes. And uh, so Alex Lane, you you've gone down the panda hole. So <laughs> that sounds an, like an interesting. Sentence. So um, yeah. yes, uh, I have uh, officially been pandaed. Uh, so let's see. I've been playing about eight hours a day. I think probably six, maybe during the week when I have to teach and so forth. But actually, unlike last time I played WoW, I think I've been managing pretty well. Because I just play like at night when I would be sitting in front of the TV anyway. So I've still been able to get other stuff done. Sam and I finished our article on Friday. Um, I'm, I'm over halfway done with my next article. I haven't canceled class yet. So all things. <laughs> all things so that... So far it's been healthy gaming. I remember... I probably shouldn't say this. But I remember in one of my master's classes sitting in the back right after what, right after I started playing WoW, like a couple months into it, when I was super obsessed and like sitting in the back row and then like having it on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I did mean, that. It happens. Things happen. <laughs> things, things happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't oh like a God. sneaky game, you know? No. It's a kind of an involved game. And then I would like be fighting a boss and I'd be like slamming the keyboard. Like, oh yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah, you definitely can't do that in the middle of class. Oh, I know. Shouting at your computer screen. <laughs> you son of a stupid dragon. I mean, um, I'm on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Made assaults. laughs> right. oh. um, okay, so nitty gritty. Pandas. Um, panda, Mr. Pandaria? Pandaria, right? Pandaria. I think it's mm-hmm. Pandaria. Um, Mr. Pandaria brings a new expansion, expansion with a new um, race that you can play, uh, the Pandaren on Horde or Alliance. Um, and the starting area, what's interesting about this is the starting area is neutral. Um, and this is a new addition. WoW hasn't done this before. So you start, then you're on this island, and it's all pandas, and you're like going through your training. And mm-hmm. Then you like complete all these tasks and you're getting introduced to this story of these horde and alliance people as you go along and you do some quests for horde people and you do some quests for alliance people. And then you decide that you want to leave um, your homeland and go, you know, fight um, out in the rest of the world. And so at that point you have to choose if you're horde or alliance. It's really interesting because you get, you know, these stories and all the stuff and they like tell both sides really um, in a really interesting way, um, like about the lore of why the Horde's Horde and the Alliance is Alliance and why they hate each other. Um, And then you get to go choose. uh, And then they have like these scenes where they're talking about how you're going to have to fight against other pandas because some pandas chose the opposite faction of you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, and all of that's new. that this all it should be too big of a spoiler. It all happens within the first like fourteen levels, um, and uh, so I I really like that. Um, it was it's a fun. I this is see the thing is like with the Lich King they did tons of cinematics, um, which a lot of people didn't like. There's a real like forced narrative there, and I used forced not in like a 
bad way, but it is a forced narrative that, like, with if you're a worgen or a death knight, you have to go through this forced narrative. Um, they did that much more heavily in Lich King than in Pandaria, I think. Um, it's for me, it was like the right amount of story and questing. Um, so I liked that element of it. Um, there are a few cutscenes, um, cinematics, but they're not as overwhelming. They're not with every quest like some of the Lich King content did. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. What else is new? I don't know. Lots of people complain that it's too easy now when you level too quickly. And eh, you maybe do. they're right, but, but I, I, still, I don't care. I still love it. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. So, um, it's just a different game, you know? Like we've talked about a few times this week, Sam. Uh, it's a different game than if you played Vanilla WoW. So you have to kind of, yeah. like Cody was sitting over our shoulders watching us and he was just going crazy because it's, um, it's not as true anymore to the how it was back in the day when things were hard. Um, so, but it's just a different game. It's hard in other ways, you know. So, so if I were to pick it up and I haven't played WoW before, would I be okay with like picking Yes, everything? absolutely. Okay. My friend Patty, um, I mean, you wouldn't be okay in the long run but okay <laughs> that would take over your life but uh yeah my friend my friend patty um had never played before and she picked it up we we started playing like what was it sam two weeks before pandaria yeah so, so it's been like, about three weeks she's been playing i think about twice as much as me um i've been trying to trying to keep up with her but she's got like one of each character now all leveled to like between 20 and 60 so she's wow. She's been she's been playing like crazy. So you can absolutely if you have not she's never played an RPG before. She's never played she's never used uh wads before for anything. So Okay. Yeah, so, so I you could absolutely that. Cool. Yep, definitely. It's much more it's much more tailored now to new players. They have all sorts of they cuz cuz the old in the older editions you really needed a dedicated like group of people to play with in order to get to any of the interesting content. Um okay. But now you don't need that. You can go in and just hit the, the have like a dungeon finder button, and it will find you a group to do the content with. So. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, a good yeah. aspect. Yeah. I, I like that. Some people hate it because they think it takes all the challenge out. But uh, <laughs> I, I personally love it because it's going to be one in the morning. And plus, I don't really like talking to people, right? That's always one of the difficult parts for me. It's like I don't want to talk and meet a bunch of people and then have all the gender drama happen so this is sort of nice because i don't have to get to know anybody but i can go in plus i my favorite thing in the game actually one of the only things i like is healing it's really hard to level if you're a healer uh so being able to find groups to do stuff together and then i can just heal anytime i want that's mm. uh that's really helpful for me so yeah definitely pandas pandas man so what do you think sam you know i i played vanilla wow early on um, like when it first came out and I played, oh God, I was probably almost as bad as you, uh, except I was teaching classes and play and I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> she wasn't sitting in the back. She was teaching. I was teaching. <laughs> it's all a fair point. <laughs> and I'm enjoying the pandas. I'm enjoying the storyline of the pandas on Panda Island, but you know, not that I have this other panda, 
that may be off Panda Island already, but if I did, I'm not quite sure that the storyline actually, that there's actually much difference once you're off Panda Island. Yeah, once you're off Panda Island... It's um, just it's the same. Basically nothing. And that's pretty much a disappointment Unless to me. You do the Panda quests and stuff. Yeah, I mean, but... The main, I mean, the not, main they can't change the worlds that already exist, right? No, but I just felt like there would be more, you know, more panda specific content. You know, they can't change the worlds that already exist, but they can add to them. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Um, I mean, and we talk about that all the time when we, you know, when we talk about uh, whether or not when we play in games that the game acknowledges the fact that you are a specific character or have a specific history. And I don't feel like that's happening. You know where I think it's going to be, Sam, is like once we hit 85, I think the 85 to 90 content will be, hopefully, will be more geared to pandas because that's the levels that they added on and all the new instances. So I think you're 100% right. Um, But I'm hoping that they will that there will be a lot more once you get further on in the so, game. So really, I have to play to level 85 to get new fucking content? Yeah. <laughs> well, what level are you now? I'm not telling. But uh, <laughs> Up to 15 is uh, is all the panda content. It's all the and panda then, yeah. content. And, but the, and, I mean, they have panda, like, quests. Panda but, specific yeah, quests but I mean, they're just quests. It's not really giving you the story. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And that's... And, and I should I don't want to wait until level eighty five to get you know real panda narrative. Yeah. You know, so that means what? So for fifteen levels, the uh, twenty levels, the first fifteen and the last five, I get panda content. I'm kind of disappointed in that, to be perfectly honest. I, you know, I'm not saying I'm not gonna play a panda to level ninety just to see, or at least the eighty six, just to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I'm I'm starting to wonder how long it's gonna it's gonna hold my attention because of that. Do you understand what yep. I mean? I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. Yep. And maybe that's just how they're catering to their their usual quote unquote WoW players. The well, maybe it's a lazy expansion because they well, it does like feel with lazy. Cata, like with Cataclysm, the they world changed. The whole Right, and that's and that's what I was expecting, right? Right. Because what kind of the world did change? The whole world changed. But Lich King, it didn't. Lich King was more like pandas. But no, it, did, it yeah. no, it changed. It didn't. So, it didn't change like Cata because it wasn't a cataclysm. But right, you know, it did change. It changed more than pandas did. Yeah, pa- pandas feels like you know, DLC more than an expansion. It's like, oh, here's a new race. Go play this. Yeah. Go play this. Right. Yeah. 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 I see what you're saying. I don't know. Maybe I'm just kvetching about nothing. Well. And maybe I'm not. No, I think you're, <laughs> I think you're definitely onto something. <laughs> but we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. We'll, we'll as I'm sure, keep playing. Especially since you got Patty hooked. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like she's more hooked Patty. than the two of you combined. Oh yeah. my. Well, the thing is, like, uh, like when you first, when I first started playing WoW, like, I could feel, like, in my 
body the need to play and I would be doing something else and I would have to play like I yeah. couldn't and I thought about it constantly like me we went out of family vacation and me and my mom sat in a laundromat that had wireless and spent the <laughs> whole vacation there while everyone else was like sweet guys um and I have zero percent of that feeling like I'm enjoying playing a lot yeah. um but you don't have like that itch to play but I don't have that like burning feeling to pl- to play right now. Yeah. So I don't I don't I'm not I didn't get that either. Okay. That's why you know, I mean yeah, because you guys have got level sixty pandas. I will tell you, I don't have a level sixty panda. And, we don't have level sixty pandas. Oh, you have level sixty. I'm sorry, you have level sixty characters because you you've leveled characters to sixty in three weeks. Right. 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 I haven't leveled a character sixty levels in three weeks. And in three weeks of playing pandas, I won't have a level six. I can just about guarantee you that. Unless something really hits me hard, I'm not going to have a level 60 panda um, in three weeks. Because I don't have that burning desire. It is not pulling me in, holding me in, and keeping me there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's enjoyable. But yeah, since I quit the, uh, the, like the first time after my big wow descent... Um, it, it has not, like, it's been fun and I enjoy it, but yeah, I hasn't, hasn't had that takeover life meth quality. So, yeah. That's good. Meth, meth is I, bad. Yeah, that's fine with me. Yeah. That's totally fine. Because that's how I kind of play games, as Sam well knows. I sort of like, boom, I'm going to play them. And then I play until I finish it. So. Yeah. You're you're right. It is very much a, an interesting experience to watch Alex Lane get uh, sucked I'll in. Around. The pleasure from games that I experience is has very little to do with anything other than completing things. So anything that gets in the way of me completing things, I do not like. Like, oh, let's look at the scenery. No, let's read the narrative. No, we will complete this task. Yeah, and I'm here to vouch for that because, and then she then she talks about your bag because you read quest text. Yeah, um, but that's how why it's nice to play with Patty because she reads the quest text too. Um, so she, while we're playing together, she'll fill me in on on why we're doing what we're doing and so forth. So. Well, that's see, I'm good. not gonna tell you that. That's not my job. Your job is to read the fucking quest text. That's what your that's job. That's not my is. job. I don't have to game like you. I game my own way. <laughs> I don't have to game like you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's your pusher. You're a narrative pusher. <laughs> and clearly you're a wild pusher. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, that's what I playing. That's what you're playing. Alright. Um, so, um ladies. Our next uh-huh. question is the usual. What you reading, what you drinking? What you reading, what you drinking? Uh, what you reading? Not a blog oh, site. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been reading. I started reading uh, Gisa Kirsch and Jacqueline Jones Royster's new book, um, which has nothing to do with games, but everything to do about conducting feminist research which is exactly the um, stuff that I'm working on right now. Uh, And it's called uh, Feminist Rhetorical Practices. Mm -hmm. And it is awesome. It is so good. Um, 
So that is definitely a recommend for anybody. Um, it's very, you, you can tell this is, they, so they talk about in the, in the intro that this has been a project they've been working on since like, I think it was like a 97, something mm -hmm. like that, some sort of conference that happened a long time ago. And you can tell, like it's very thoughtful and it's sort of slow and yeah, it's, it's very good. So um, I've been reading that and then I'm almost finished with The Ethics of Computer Games by Miguel Sicart, who also um, had an article in Game Studies in the last issue of Game Studies which was a long time ago, but yes. Um, and then uh, that's it. Yes, that's it. That's it. Cool. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, well, as I told Alex Lane, I've been reading through a lot of stuff um, because I'm trying to choose a new book to read. And this is what I always do when it's time to choose a new book to read is that I, I become like a slave to like the Kindle in many ways. Mm -hmm. because I choose like 20 books and I read the first chapter of everything to choose to figure out what is striking me. Um, I know that's a horror, probably a horrible way to do that, but um, it gives me kind of horrible. It gives Makes me sense. insight. It gives me insight into exactly, you know, what folks are saying, especially when you're doing game studies kind of stuff. Um, yeah. It's so easy to find books that are just like, horribly done like you know you find yourself reading something by mark prinsky um you know it was the don't bother me now i'm playing games or something crazy like that that was like clearly this commercial um this commercial push for games and education um by some hack who doesn't even play games um and was just pushing it to push his own kind of educational program and parents and schools were actually buying into it and he would come to campuses and charge people like eight gazillion dollars to speak and anybody that knew anything about games would just be pissed off when they left yeah he came here in case you hadn't figured that one out um, <laughs> i didn't know that interesting yeah yeah when was this it, oh gosh it was before you guys got here and then the woman yeah. who brought him here i was like don't ever bring anybody else to campus without asking one of us <laughs> she was like and she even she recognized she was not a gamer uh was not you know was interested in the in the possibility of games in education and even she recognized that it was terrible that it was terrible wow um so but um so i've been reading a, a couple of different things um and i'll just go over some of the more recent ones i've been reading um the power of play um by david elkin um, I've been reading some Lev Vygotsky on um, children and mental development and play and stuff like that. Um, I've been uh, reading, and when I say reading, I'm talking about first chapters, of course. Um, glued to the Glued to Games. Um, it's a uh, by Scott Rigby and Richard Ryan, and that's about uh, you know what pulls us in the game. You know what's that sticky factor, and you know thinking about what that has to say about games and education. Um, and excuse me, <coughs> the one that I am anxious to start actually is the new Catherine Hale's book. Um, My mother was a computer. Because um, that sounds super duper interesting. Um, and so, like I said, I'm reading first chapters of everything, but I think in the end, um, what is going to be, uh oh, what's going to be the thing that I stick with 
I'm sorry, is the Catherine Hales book. Um, because, you know, I'm a Catherine Hales fan. Um, and she's thinking about um, uh, digital subjects um, and digital subjects and subjectivity in texts. Um, so I'm going to check that one out because I think that's going to be a fun one. Um, I did actually start to, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I got this, this tickle in my throat that wants to be a cough. Um, mm -hmm. Download and start thinking about reading the same um, Miguel Sicard book as you, The Ethics of Computer Games, uh, because I read his, his uh, article in the last Game Studies too. Um, so I've been thinking about reading that one. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to choose ultimately. I guess we'll find out with the next podcast. What what did I end up reading? Um, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, since that's going to be two weeks away, and what what new book I'm reading as mm -hmm. well, um, because yeah, the they in my minority rhetoric class, the kids convinced me that I should be reading World War Z, which I actually started reading as well. Um, <laughs> Thanks about that. Um, and uh, so yeah, I'm reading that too. So I have to like push my leisure reading uh, to the back burner. And, yeah, uh, leisure reading. <laughs> leisure reading. <laughs> Unless I can write a paper about zombies. And well, why can't you? Indeed. Well, we, you know, I'm not like I don't write about video games, right? Zombies are important. <laughs> yeah, so, cultural phenomenon. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, Nathaniel Rivers did work about how zombies are like the thing when a democrat is in office because it's all about like the masses yep. um and then vampires are the thing when republicans are in office because it's like the you know the lone rich white guy and so forth huh. oh with a democratic that's very interesting with a Democratic pres president in a Republican House, I guess that's why we got zombies and 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 uh, vampires right and now. Vampires, right? Exactly. We don't know what to what to be obsessed with. Yep. <laughs> we shall see what happens with the next election, whether we're reading about zombies or vampires. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to. We'll have to check it out. Yeah. All right, what you drinking, ladies? Uh, I have a Diet Dr. Pepper can and a cup of coffee. But it looks like my cup of coffee is finished. Yes. Aww. It's okay. Boom. It's okay. We'll get through it together. I got my, <laughs> I got my usual morning crack. Mm -hmm. uh, which is, I drink coffee until I leave home. And then on my way um, <laughs> to school, I grab my morning crack, which is a Diet Coke only from McDonald's. Yes. Yeah. It's a good call. Yep. There's something about McDonald's Diet Coke. I tell you, it's got crack in it. It it probably does. It's McDonald's. I mean, seriously, it's, probably, it's got something in it that makes me stop every morning. Because um, I'm not a Diet Coke drinker. By choice, I'm a Diet Pepsi drinker. They put stuff in there to get you coming back. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It's crack. <laughs> it's cocaine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. I have turned into a coffee drinker, which is crazy because of my, well, quote, unquote, early mornings at GameStop. Mm -hmm. um, so, because my drive is 40 minutes long. If I have to be there at 8, I got to wake up at like 6.30. Um, so, I have some coffee. It's interesting. Never been a coffee drinker my whole life. 
I had a dream that I was becoming a tea drinker. Ooh, that's exciting. I wish I was, but I'm not. Tea drinkers are so sophisticated. I know, exactly. That's what I need. I need a little sophistication in my life. There you go. Well, you can hang out with P, because she likes to drink tea. Does she? I like iced tea. No, she likes hot tea. tea. Interesting. Maybe she can teach me the ways. Of the tea? Of the tea. tea. (laughs) I like... um... I like tea, like kind of like lattes. I like the like steamed milk teas. Those are my favorite, which like I guess makes me London super fogs. English. Yeah. yeah. Like chais. I love chai. I love chai. I love, um, oh my gosh, now I can't think of what it's called. But I do love like the breakfast milk teas. Like getting my steamed milk on with my tea is great. Hmm, I'll have to try that. I've never tried one of those, though. I hear they're good, but they freak me out. What, they're milk good. teas? Like, uh, yeah, like London Fog and stuff, yeah. They're With good. Milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll check it out. I enjoy it. It's good balance. Good stuff. Have you had a chai before? Chai tea? Yeah, I've had a chai. Okay, I love chai. I love chai as well. I think I could care less about chai. All <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I don't mean... <laughs> I mean, like, if I ever drank one again in my life, I don't care. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I like hearing about it, though. So I didn't mm-hmm. need that. Sure. Indeed. Good, good. Good for you. All right. Uh, so news, news, mm-hmm. news, news, news. So in the spirit of the debates that are going to be on tonight, yeah. apparently if you watch like three of the four, I believe it said, um, Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, if you watch at least 30 minutes of three of the four presidential and vice presidential debates on your Xbox Live election 2012 hub, you get Halo 4 Avatar armor. Wow, that's pretty cool. Who's sponsoring that? Yeah, I know. Isn't this crazy? I mean, Microsoft must be. I mean, because Halo is totally all Microsoft and... um, I mean, they have that, that the election 2012 hub launched over the summer mm-hmm. um, and it was streaming the conventions. So I guess they just must have, they're trying to get this to be a big thing for them, which I'm totally for. Like, if you want gamers Absolutely. to start to be involved in the politics and getting them to be involved in voting and stuff, give them Halo 4 armor. That is such <laughs> a great idea. <laughs> They've been doing sort of incentives like that companies have forever. Yeah. So why not? Why not? I mean, give, Halo give 4 comes out like two days before election day. Mm-hmm. So it's not like those don't correspond at all. So it's well, definitely... It seems like, like a triple. Like it's get people who are involved in politics, get them interested in the hub. If people yeah, haven't been using definitely. the hub. And then get interested in Halo 4. Extend it out into people who maybe they may have not reached out to before. I think that's right. a great idea. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so if you're going to be watching it tonight anyways, and you happen to have Xbox Live, get that hub and get some Halo 4 armor for your avatar. I don't think you can go wrong there. I mean, I might not even play Halo 4. I might not buy. I don't. I'm not gonna buy it at release. I might buy it eventually. But I'm. I'm gonna watch the debates. So I maybe I'm gonna go ahead and watch. I see. They just pulled me in. They yeah, just completely see, pulled me in. <laughs> I'm kind of on the fence about um about Halo 4. I've been thinking about getting it because I didn't really dig the last Call of Duty. Like it was fine, but we stopped playing it after like a month, mm-hmm. and like, haven't played it since, and don't really care. 
Um, but that's sad, and also winter's coming up, so you can always use a new game obsession. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for Halo 4. I know a lot of people are not... I'm, I'm glad we're getting off track to talk about this. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of on the fence with if they think that 343 can handle making the next three games. Right. But mm-hmm. if you're someone who has followed the books, these next three games are going to follow those books almost, almost to the T, which is great for a lot of people who are yeah, the fans of the books. It's really great. Um. Also, something they're doing, obviously Master Chief is back, and if you wanted to get back into his storyline, you can't go wrong with picking these this one up. Um, and also, I f- feel like I sound like a spokesperson. Um, also, most of the people on 343 are all the same people that worked, you know, with Bungie on the first three. And... Bungie kind of laid out these guidelines to how the games were going to go if they had continued with them. And as long as 343 kind of continues with that, which it seems like they are because Bungie was so interested in kind of keeping with the book story, mm-hmm. I don't. I really don't think you can go wrong with it. I think 343 is a capable studio. Like, I don't not trust them to make a great game. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be good. I'm definitely picking it up, like, without a doubt in my mind. It's it's going to be great. I'm well, I think the three of us just decided to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we could do a live stream or something. Oh. Oh, don't suck me into that. <laughs> so what are you, you're going to get it on your PS3, Nicole? Oh, yeah, on my PS3. Okay. So that would be interesting. I haven't had an actual game that I played on my PS3 in, like, six years, so... No, it's 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 not gonna be on the PS3. Oh, what? It's it's a it's a Xbox. Xbox Oh yeah, that's because it's a Microsoft game. That's right. Yeah, which is I mean you know that's it's fine it's fine I I don't mind that they make it Xbox exclusive you know I mean PlayStation still has their games too that they're obviously not crossing over but I don't I don't see this going wrong I really don't. Yeah. We can punch me in the face if, if i am proven to be wrong so I that's good welcoming yeah. that challenge we'll do a hey you threaten to stab me every day and you're like crying about punching her in the face what is this yeah but she's serious <laughs> I hope she's not serious i'm offering for you to punch me right now <laughs> well i'm taking her seriously so i'm gonna punch her in the face if i don't <laughs> oh i see i see uh, so it was more like a guilt about i'm actually yeah, like, I'm I, I, see. I don't want to know but i will next piece of news that i have i don't know if anyone has been really following the story but i was really curious to see what was going to happen to 38 studios 38 mm-hmm. studios uh, it looks like they will not have any federal charges. Um, the state is still looking into whether or not they will charge them with anything. Um, but I, I don't know if, if anyone knows the backstory, but the backstory is that they failed to pay one of their loan payments and were forced to fire their 300 plus employees and then also to like claim file bankruptcy and there's also a game i don't remember the name of it that they were developing for like years and years and years that they had to quit production on as well right Right. um 
And so it was a huge deal. And so the government was looking into, like, if they had gotten these loans on some sort of, like, false claims or if they had, you know, like, done anything to get them fraudulently. Um, and it turned, I mean, it must turn out that in the end they didn't find anything to charge them because they're not charging them with anything. Um, right. So that's, I don't know. Why I would they even investigate that in the first place. That seems it's like crazy because Ro- I mean, Rhode Island, suck it up. You invested money in a game studio and clearly didn't know anything about the games industry because right. Ki- Kingdoms of Amalar actually sold really well. I mean, right. it didn't sell, it didn't do like Call of Duty numbers, but I mean, shit, it sold really well. They were expecting to yep. make a gazillion fucking dollars and then didn't make a gazillion, only made a half a gazillion, right? Right. I mean, and, which is still great. Which is still great. And then they didn't, you know, they didn't get the money back at the rate that they thought they were going to get it and they weren't going to get it back at that rate because guess right. what? The games industry doesn't work that way. I nope, mean, I mean, it, if you're going to invest that kind of money into an industry, at least know something about the industry. And it was clear that they didn't. Right. I know. I mean, yeah, they blindly invested in this company. They really didn't know anything about thinking it was going to be like a Call of Duty release. And now they're pissed and they're trying to get their money back out of them. Right. That's just crazy. I, that just pissed me off so bad. You made a bad business decision and you destroyed a studio in the process. Like yeah. a great studio, too. Right. Mm-hmm. I love Kings of Amular. Yeah. I do, too. I thought that was a great game. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still playing it to this day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a great game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But at least it's nice that there won't be federal charges against them. I know that, like, in that article specifically, it said that the state is still searching to see if they can charge them with anything. But if the... F- federal government couldn't find anything i don't know why unless they're just going to be way more like nitpicky and make mountains out of molehills kind of a i don't know i like can't roll my eyes enough at that story yeah me either so well get your get your eye rolling to get going even more this next news story that i have could be a podcast story all on its own actually i'm writing a i'm writing a post on it for today are you? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's this is like the most disgusting thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. So this unnamed employee from Sanford the um Kixeye, I think that's how you say it, Kixeye Studio. Mm-hmm. Um he posted as a like um just just under a pseudonym um and wrote about his experience being like just totally blasted racially at the studio mm-hmm. and it is the most like and he um the blog post has since been removed at least that's what kotaku says but kotaku it, is also, it has been i checked yeah i think they're hosting it though parts of it like they have parts of it on their site um that they've quoted so there are parts of it that you can still read and they're just like the lowlights of it but they are it's just like, they, I don't even want to talk about it much, especially if you're going to write about it, Sam, because it just makes me so angry. But it's just things that, like, people are blatantly being racist against him, telling him that he needed to stop dressing so thuggish. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, how, and then he tries to convince this guy that it's not a racist comment, it's a joke. And so we should get over it. It's like, oh, my God. He, it's, like, it's like, you're not a slave, so we can make slave jokes. 
Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? He that's said, not problematic at all. He says, let me tell you, it's okay to make jokes about slavery because that's over. <laughs> oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. And that is only funny because it is so fucking ridiculous and sad. It's so yeah. sad. It's yeah. just, I couldn't even, and I'm so glad that this is something that Kotaku is picking up and kind of circulating yeah, and making it known. Um, I mean, and this this company has also been known for their, like, that infamous recruitment video. Like, I, I had seen it, and I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. It's really weird. But they were not seeking programmers, but programmers. Yeah, the programmers. <sighs> yeah. I it's just... a, and then they said that the in their response to that video was they were weeding out people that wouldn't fit in that wouldn't fit into our culture. There are certain people that are going to respond negatively to that video, and frankly, we wouldn't want them around anyway. Good, good. Let's just put blatantly out there that we're a bunch of dicks. Well, and it makes you're... our work a lot easier, doesn't it? Because oh uh, we aren't going to have to prove that this stuff is going on because that's not all implicit. <laughs> <laughs> you know like thank you now i can use that quote for the rest of my life and everything i ever publish <laughs> god oh so i'm glad you're gonna write something about this damn because this is just disgusting it's so yep. so wrong there's just so many wrong things about it so yay news they're leaving us on happy happy notes <laughs> Who news yeah <laughs> Oh. Uh, All right, ladies. Indie game of the week time. Indie game of the week. The indie game of the week is nope. I didn't do it. Let's <laughs> 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 you say indie game of the week is pandas. Pandas, yeah. Blizzard <laughs> is a an indie group, right? It's <laughs> independent of some stuff, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't do it. It wasn't because I hadn't put in gaming hours. I think um, I think it was very clear that I put in far more than my share, or far far more than a human being should. I put in far more hours these last two weeks. But uh, no, pandas. Sorry. Next week. <laughs> next time. Maybe. We'll see. My bad. Funny. <laughs> we can forgive you. I mean, pandas. Whatever. Pandas. 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 And our issue of the week, well, since we have no indie game, we'll go to the issue of the week, which is pandas. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> it's pandas. <laughs> all pandas, all the time. No. Hey, Sam, what did you think about the female pandas? What do you mean when I think about them? Like, the look of them. You know, the look, the, the way that they're characterized, okay, I'll tell you what I thought about the female pandas. And now I'm going to have to think about this more closely because I haven't Sorry. thought about it closely other than when I was, because I, I, my, both my pandas are female. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. One and my possible other pandas are female. And um, <laughs> you're going to keep that up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's fine. It's cool. It's totally fine. Um, not like you haven't rolled 47 characters in the last couple of weeks. <clears throat> yeah, I've <laughs> but uh, it's very weird because they're very stereotypical <coughs> excuse me I think well not like this hasn't been the problem with all the races in, in WoW um, but it's very stereotypical and the, the female pandas feel very geisha-y to me really? yes 
so far I have the opposite reaction to the pandas, so please continue. I like this. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I feel they feel very stereotypical to me. It feels like at moments like I'm playing through a bad um, version of uh, the Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and playing a female panda actually kind of feels like that. I don't know. I don't know. I Like I said, I have to think more about it, but just kind of my initial reaction to it has been that. Um, mm-hmm. But on the, fl- on the fly, I say it's, it feels very stereotypical and not, and well, not stereotypes are never good. I was going to say not in a good way, um, right. but yeah, very kind of, submissive and your 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 thoughts have been different um yeah well i think that there's two things going on in in that part of the expansion um but okay so so there's representation of asian cultures right and whenever you represent somebody's culture and sort of distill it and decontextualize it it's going to be it's going to have problems right so like that part i don't disagree with you at all it's uh super problematic but the way like they did the pandas just in general, the female pandas just um, as as sole characters, I thought was really was the best female version of any character that they've done. Hmm. Like they, you know, like if you look at their like body shape and their like jokes and stuff, um, I thought it was the most as far as not rep- not talking about cultural representation, but um, but female representation i thought it was one of the best that they that they have done but i don't know about the geisha part i didn't get that about the female pandas because yeah i'm trying to think because they did have that one person who's always like meditating the 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 female panda who's always like meditating but she like runs the whole thing and then you're questing with like that the pair of pandas mm-hmm. and then but they have masters that are women and or female pandas and male pandas. So I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to go back through and think Geisha and see if I see that. But that was not something that I picked up on. I think I think it's probably because so much of the panda specific line is just what you must do. It's very subservient and very serving, right? You have to do this. You have to. I mean, it's it's it is fetch quests. A lot of it is fetch quests, but it is very. It, and I, and like I said, it, it's not necessarily any different from other races, but I think because of the way that they stereotype them as Asian characters and then give them all of these fetch quests to do, it is as if they are servants more than anything else. And that is the, and that's the kind of, that's part of the lore is this notion of servants and service. Yeah. Does that make sense? And maybe yeah. that's why it's sticking for me that way, is that it feels very servicey. I agree that it feels that way, 100%. Though to me, it seemed more um, because they were telling this story about, because they're doing like the like discipline and kung fu sort of thing, like you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like that, it's for the storyline that they're trying to weave, it seems in line right and then that's not a that that's not female specific i don't think although i didn't play a male panda so i don't know if they get the same quest text but so i imagine they probably do and i said like i said i, I don't know that it's in it's necessarily any different from mm-hmm. even other races but it, once again it's, it's kind of all about that 
intersections, right? It's that intersection between female character and um, the stereotype of Chinese culture that yeah. when those meet, it feels very geisha-y. And I don't know that that would feel uh-huh. that same way if the character were not um, of a specific kind of race. Um, there were, I think, I definitely see what you're saying. There was uh, some people who complained, who were complaining that her voice was too mature, the panda voice. They're like, it's too mature sounding. Really? I thought it was kind of, I thought it was a very kind of um, immature sounding, personally. Uh-huh, that's kind of funny. I did, because it, it was it was kind of, I had to kind of tune her out because it was irritating to me at first. Hmm. Her voice was kind of irritating to me at first. I guess because I have a deeper voice, so mm-hmm. you know when I'm when I have to listen to the squeakier voices, I'm like, oh God, would you shut up? Um, <laughs> shut up! Shut up! And you can't change the voice, which is also irritating to me. Mm. You know, I like. I mean, in a because in a lot of RPGs, you can change the voice. And and that's I was like, oh God, somebody please give me the ability to change this chick's voice, but otherwise I'm gonna be real upset. That is so funny. We'll have to come. We can come back to this next time too. I didn't mean to derail our issue. No, that's fine. Indeed. Okay, so issue of the week. Okay, so our issue this week has been is um, as Alex Lane said, she and I just uh, finished an article uh that we submitted for review for a journal on feminism in games. Um, and in this article, what we have kind of developed is this notion that we're called, uh, we're calling, um, post play play narrative modification. modification. I'm like, what the hell are we calling it? So post play narrative modification or post play narrative modding. Um, and what we were, what we've been talking about is, um, how gamers in the gaming community mod the narrative of a game without in this specifically in this article talking about how they do it without physically modding the code of the game right so how the narrative itself gets changed through subsequent narratives or Uh parallel narratives that take place around it um and so so definitely once this article gets published we'll tell you where to find it so you can go out and read it um, or if it never gets published, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll we'll publish it on NYMG. Um, but we talk specifically in this piece about um, Anita Sarkeesian and um, her tropes Kickstarter and uh, Jennifer Hepler and that whole uh, Mass Effect Three slash Dragon Age fiasco where she gets attacked. Um, in um, online for something she had said like 50 years before in an interview that was totally decontextualized. Um, And we look at how those narratives get modded, those game narratives get modded based on that. Um, So one of the things we thought might be interesting um, is to not necessarily talk about the specifics of what we talk about in that article for this week, but we can talk about it a little bit. Um, But think about other games or other ways that we see narratives of games being modded post-play. Right? Um, Does that make, does that sound like what we're talking about, ladies? 
Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, it, well, the thing is, like, you don't want to scoop yourself, of course. Right. Um, with, because the article hasn't, it's still under review. Um, although, can I share the cool thing that happened when we turned it in? <laughs> yes, you can share the cool thing. So, okay, so first of all, Sam was nice enough to let me be lead author, which for a graduate student is a really huge deal because a lot of people, uh, graduate students, when they go on the market, don't have a lead author um, publication. So thank you, Sam. Uh, and so I sent it in to uh, the, the the journal, the person who's doing the reviews, and I got an email back the next morning, and she said, um, you know, thank you very much for your submission. By the way, I'm a huge Not Your Mama's Gamer fan. No way! Way, way. She must have recognized our names, I guess. Oh, that's so awesome. Isn't that amazing? I was like on cloud nine yesterday. You should see me. I was like dancing in my kitchen and everything in the morning. <laughs> like, oh man, I was so excited. Oh, that's so cool. So I was very, I was very excited about that. But anyway. I, I like those, like not closeted, but like ones that we're not entirely aware of. I like those mm-hmm. people. <laughs> me too. That's nice. That was not something I expected to hear. But, yeah. um. But anyway, yeah, so we don't want to scoop it, but but what we were basically looking at is like creative resistance strategies. So like mm-hmm. the 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 relationship between the player and the game and then the cultural critic and the game, they're really super layered and complex, right? And the only ways we have to talk about it um, are through these very Uh oh. Do we get disconnected? I think we lost Alex. Alex Lane. Must be that new headset. Mm-hmm. I oh, wonder if my headset died. Can you guys That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Sorry. Um hold on a second. Let me get some other headphones. I should have charged them. I don't know what I was thinking. That's all right. Um, just edit this part out. <laughs> no, come on. It's part of the it's part of the realism. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so anyway, um, so we talked about, so they're really, they're super complex, right? And so what we were trying to do was break down exactly what's happening in these relationships so that we can pull out some sort of theory or method that feminists can use, like yeah. consciously use, because it's being used subconsciously. Um, so we are hoping that you could, you can consciously use this type of modification in order to change the gaming environment. So... That's what that's what it is about. Yeah, that's exactly what it's about. Thank you. I think that you're right. It's hard to talk about it because you don't want to scoop yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like so we talk about stuff. Yeah, um, things. <laughs> and that being said, um, so we thought it'd be. I thought I thought it would be interesting to think about other ways that we or other games that we have modded um, in our own ways and how we've done it and why we've done it. And yeah. I think that one of the most interesting things, and, and, and well, I won't talk about that part because that we talk about in the article. Um, but one of the interesting things is I think that even um, not as just a gamer, um, but as a mother of a mm. young child, I find myself modding narratives a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's definitely probably one of the biggest ones that you do, I'm sure. Right. It's that, you know, and like, for example, um, P is convinced that she wants to play World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I, I was a kid, I'd want to play a panda daughter. too, you know. <laughs> because, because of the pandas. 
she's mm-hmm. convinced that she wants to play World of Warcraft because of the pandas. So, of course, as a mother, I have to mod this narrative um, and explain to her kind of what is going on, right? In the, you know, in this, it, and, she, and she said that from the very first, she came to my computer one day and um, I had been playing WoW, but it, we had gone back to the main screen and she's like, she said something about the pandas and I was like, oh God. So I let her watch the <laughs> cinematic. Yeah. Right? I let her watch the cinematic and, you know, she sat in my lap. I said, if it gets too scary at any point, you let me know. And she goes, and she has this thing. She's like, I'm with you, mama. So if it gets scary, you can keep me safe. And uh, <laughs> so we watched the panda cinematic. And so I had to mod the narrative as we go, as we go. And I'm like, oh, she's like, why are they trying to hurt each other? I'm like, well, they're not really trying to hurt each other. It's like when you do, when you take karate class, they're, they're just doing karate together. Right. And I'm like, I was like, you see, you have the panda. And I was like, and she's like, look, there's the Hulk. And I'm like, yes, it's easier for you to think of an orc as being the Hulk. Right. Because the Hulk is a good guy. He just, you know, he, he looks worse than he actually is. And people perceive him as being thus. Right. So we go through and we mod the entire narrative so that this, this fight scene between the panda, the orc and the human becomes um, something that is acceptable to her in her mind and in her mindset, right? So now she's convinced she wants to play. She wants to play World of Warcraft, um, and I was like, well, you know, I can probably let her play a good bit of the um, of the early stuff, a good bit of the early stuff, a good bit of the early stuff um, on Panda Island itself. Uh, because that is not, you know, not necessarily as violent as, you know, the regular old content that you run into once you hit, you know, the barons and so on and so forth. So um, that's kind of one of the, the main things that I think I run into. haven't had an opportunity to mod a game for a small child, but I can imagine myself doing that almost that exact same thing, like relating it to things that they know and understand, especially since she has those karate classes. Like it's right. something that she just relates it back to. And she's like, Oh, well I do that. And it's so I can protect myself. So that's what they're doing. And it's like a healthy thing to do. Right. Right. What about you guys? What narratives do you mod for yourselves or other people? Um, well, I think that all the work we do here at NYMG is a type of narrative modding. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that has stuck out to me um, is the emails we get from people who sort of just want their their senses of things um, validated. Mm-hmm. So especially like we have a couple people who write to us often who are like, I played this game and I have this experience. Um, like, am I just crazy or is this really like happening? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that um, through talking about these issues, we're able to tell people that their experiences of the narrative are okay and not wrong. Um, and so that sort of mods the way they're able to play games because they're not just trying to force the narrative on themselves. They're letting themselves come up with their own experiences. So I think that's part of 
um, the mod modding that we do here for sure. Um, and then also just, you know, all of the articles, like, like what, even what happens here with Halo 4 just a little while ago, because of this other narrative that was happening with the, with the, um, with the politics stuff, we created, we sort of created the story thinking about why Microsoft might do this. And we liked the story. And so now we're all going to buy Halo. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so like that, like just that story we made completely changed. I probably never would have, I probably wouldn't have bought it. Yeah. Until it got super cheap or something. Right. So, but now, now I'm like excited for it just because we came up like with the story. So yeah, and that was, like, the biggest thing that I was going to say. I think the biggest part of working at GameStop is modding, the, like, the story or maybe the elements of the story that you tell someone so that yep. they are interested in purchasing a game. Like, that's basically my job. <laughs> and you you probably, by doing that, change the way they're able to play the game. Oh, like, definitely. Definitely. That's it's very exciting to see how, like, what, especially now we're hiring, like, holiday help. Mm -hmm. And it's exciting to see how when these new people come in, they have different perspectives on the games. And then you see how they kind of mod it for people as well. Mm -hmm. And it's so different than the way I would have done it personally, but it definitely changes the way like the outlook people have on the games. Like for yeah. sure. I think the biggest game that I saw that for was Assassin's Creed 3 because everybody's different take on it was talking about like, oh, I think we're going to fight George Washington or maybe he's a Templar or, and then like your mentality and going into thinking right. about the game totally changed. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. and I mean, and I think that especially with Assassin's Creed, the Assassin's Creed games coming up, that's perfect example because I'm buying both of them. And I think that because of, um, because of the work that not only the work that we do at NYMG, but also because of the grad students that I work with mm -hmm. um, and the work that they're doing, the scholarship that they're doing, like M's work in Native American rhetorics and games and, you right. know, my interest in um, African-American rhetorics and, and games. There's so much kind of going, so much narrative modding going on kind of in my mind with these games and thinking about you know, like the comments that have been made online and the um, kind of press releases that have come out and interviews that have been done with the developers and how all of that is coming together to build, continue to build up these narratives of these games that have not yet even been released. Right. right? It's got me like going, okay, so if I pre-order them both. I can pick them both up at midnight at GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> and I can play Assassin's Creed 3 until like I pass out. And then when I have to go to work the next day, I can sit in my office and play Liberation. <laughs> exactly. Uh -huh. but, I mean, that's one of the biggest parts of it too, because even for um, like the Assassin's Creed Midnight launch, I'm kind of in charge for our store planning what's going to happen for it. And one of the things that I'm planning on doing is we're going to have like this murder mystery game play happen where you like you have the assassins versus the templars like even within the store and even just that element itself changes like how people perceive the game because you will have people who are like i want to be on the templar side like to see kind of their point of view or something mm -hmm. like that and it's so interesting that like certain people actually sit back and they're like, I, maybe I do agree with the Templars or maybe I want to be on their side. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's crazy to think of. Cause I'm, I'm one of those people who just sees the narrative. And I'm like, Oh, assassin's good. Templar's bad. Right. So it's, it's, 
changes my perspective of the game as well. It mods my perspectives of the game. Can I just say that I think it would be the coolest thing in the world for me anyway <laughs> to yes. work at GameStop and they would probably fire me really quickly. <laughs> yes, they absolutely would. <laughs> because I would want to just talk about games and I'm going to talk about games the way I always do talk about games. Um, but just to be, and, and this is kind of this utopian thing in my mind that to, you know, actually be in a, an environment, well, I guess I am in an environment where I talk about games all day with people, um, but with lay, but with lay people as well. You know what I mean? Not just people who study games, but just people who play games. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that that's the draw for me, but they probably fired me because once I started talking about how misogynistic and sexist and racist and all these things that games are, they probably put me out. Like, <laughs> you worked there for a day. These. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. It is funny though. I do have some aspects though when I'm, when I'm talking to, especially the male customers, because a lot of them are so intrigued that I know so much about video games. Mm-hmm. But when we start talking about it, um, specifically with Lollipop Chainsaw, I would talk to some of the like male gamers and they'd be like, you know, what did you think of this game? They're like, I thought it was great. And I'd be like, you know what? I thought it was an extremely like horrible portrayal of a strong female character. Like it's just bad. And it would actually kind of, it started the gears in their minds. And then I don't know if out of courtesy, they're kind of just agreeing with me, but it actually got a a few of them. And what I, I actually really do think a few of them to start thinking about like, well, maybe there are things I don't really understand about games and I'm looking at the surface and I don't look deep enough. Mm-hmm. And it's through those discussions alone and kind of those mods like through the website and then going into the rest of my life that, you know, it changes other people's opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It is very interesting how many guys are maybe just willing to talk to me about things like that with the games and how much my, my bosses are actually okay with me talking about things like that. I maybe, I maybe don't take it as far as you would, Sam, but (laughs) (laughs) I do, I do bring it up. (laughs) Well, see, see, that's, that's the, that's the, but I, there's, there's reason for me is that I have a job, right? So that Sam's got tenure, man. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I know what I'm saying is I have a job here. So for me to go out and work at GameStop, I would be I would feel freer to do that kind of stuff because there's nothing really on the line for me. Right. And I think that that would, you know, but at the same time, I think. But then I'm always like that when I am like invested in things as I like to work in that industry as well, because I mean, I mean, just like hanging out at the yarn shop for me because I'm a knitter you know, it's always fun. So, you know, whenever, you know, whenever the yard shop owner's like, oh, I need, I need help. Can someone hang, you know, can someone just kind of help me out and like, you know, and run the store for this day? I'm like, yeah, because, you know, I'm surrounded by stuff. I love yarn. Right. And I get to talk to people about knitting and, you know, and even those people that come in and you're like, really, 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 I have to do this with you um, kind of thing (laughs) is not, you know, as problematic for me because it's not my everyday gig. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. And I think that GameStop for me would probably be that same kind of thing because I know that there are GameStop employees out there that are like really irritated by what they have to deal, go through with people on a day-to-day basis. But for me, I don't think it would be as problematic because it's not my everyday gig, right? And I think that there would be a lot for me to kind of learn um, from kind of everyday folks playing games if I worked at GameStop. 
So there's method to my madness. And it could be kind of an ethnographic research project for me. That would be so interesting. I wonder if they would let you do that. I'm going to ask my bosses. You can come up here for a week and work at my store. <laughs> I suppose if you took their name off it. Yeah, that's that's true. You didn't say where you were. Oh, man. Project in the making. Yeah, that would no, be crazy articles, fun. That would be crazy fun. Except I'm old and lazy. I don't know if I could, like, you know, work at 9 to 5 anymore. It, but see, you know what? The thing is, GameStop's open late, so that would be perfect for me, because mm-hmm. I'm not a morning person. Yep, we are open later. Especially during the holiday season, we're open much later. Boom! There it is! There it is! <laughs> Project in the making. Project in the making. I mean, since I work there, I could probably just do the bulk of the research for you, but, you know, eh, lazy. <laughs> 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 I mean, and that in and of itself is, you know, it, it, the the ways that we can do this this uh, post play narrative modding, right? You know, through conversations we have with everyday people, right? Conversations we have with our kids about games. You know, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of interesting things and, and ways. I mean, and and one of the things that Alex and I start to tease out in the article that we're doing is kind of if we if we start thinking about this as a, a means to a methodology, right? What other what other kind of discourse communities can use this kind of post-play narrative modding? I mean, and like the work that I do with racing games, right? Or the work that we do with sexual orientation or I do with sexual orientation in games mm-hmm. um, is definitely, because these are, you know, marginalized communities within a larger gaming community, right? I mean, gay right. gamers are gamers, G-A-Y-M-E-R-S, as they're starting to call themselves, um, I think is a is definitely a, a discourse community that is becoming more and more visible mm-hmm. um, as of late, especially with the gamers conference coming up in San like, Francisco next year. Yeah. I cannot wait for that. That Kickstarter it was project, so awesome. that Kickstarter project came out, and I was all over that. Um, oh. And I don't even like San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, but I'm the only. I'm, and I say this all the time. I'm like the only gay person on the face of the planet that hates San Francisco. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. That is funny. <laughs> what else we got, ladies? Anything? So that's it. Yeah. That ended up being a really awesome, like, topic of conversation. It's good. Yeah, I'm glad. And it's a little preview to our article, so. That will definitely. I'm bringing that back. If you guys haven't noticed, boom. Every time something big happens. Boom. <laughs> All right. How about deals for broke ass gamers? Um, gosh, there there are some deals out. Not a whole lot of deals. Um, probably because you know, well, there's so much new stuff coming out. Um, Steam has. If you haven't played, um like the Elder Scrolls games. And when I'm talking about the Elder Scrolls games, I'm talking about all the Elder Scrolls games. Um, we're talking about Skyrim, talking about uh, Elder Scrolls 4, Oblivion, and the one that really sucked me in, and one of my favorites still was Elder Scrolls 3, Morrowind. Morrowind's awesome. Um, you can get all of the Elder Scrolls games. Um 
the three, the game of the year edition with all the DLC, four Oblivion with all the DLC, um, five Skyrim and Dawn Guard um, on Steam for $59.98. Oh, wow. Yep. That's an awesome deal, especially for people who can't find Morrowind anywhere. Right. I still have my Very original cool. disc copy of Morrowind in the box. Yeah. That's Very cool. nice. But I have a nice, pretty box. Um, so, yeah, for $59.98, uh, which is 50% off, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Um, okay. And, uh, uh oh. Sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. I'm echoey a little bit. At least I was hearing myself echo. It stopped. Um, Secret World, um, the uh, MMORPG, uh, is 50% off on Steam as well this week. Or it's Midweek Madness, so all of these will end tomorrow afternoon um, for $24.99. So you can play Templar before Assassin's Creed comes out. Uh, you can interact with Templar, be a Templar even. Um, and then, well, this one doesn't really matter because we won't be posted within the next 26 minutes. But, hey, Universe of War is 75% off and five bucks at uh, on Steam right now. Um, oh, you missed out on that. <laughs> I've never heard of that game before, but you know what? Somebody might have wanted it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like I said, there's lots of, uh, oopsie, there's lots of... Uh, New games coming out this month, so not a whole lot in terms of great deals for broke-ass gamers, but what there are a lot of are pretty good um, pre-order bonuses. Mm -hmm. um, definitely. There's a huge amount of awesome pre-order bonuses. Yeah, definitely that you might want to you might want to check into. Um, like, for example, you can pre-order Fable the Journey and uh, get Gauntlets of Force um, on Steam. This is on Amazon, right, for Fable yeah. the Journey. Uh, but on Steam, if you pre-order XCOM right now, you get Civ 5, the Game of the Year edition, for free. That's Damn. insane. Yeah. Just for pre-ordering? Yep, just for pre-order. Holy cow. And XCOM looks like it's going to be freaking awesome. Yeah, so you might as well pre-order it, especially right. if you're into those games. Wow. Um, if on, on Amazon, if you pre-order Epic Mickey 2, um, you get five bucks off. If you pre-order Call of Duty Black Ops 2, you get the Nuketown 2025 map. Yep. Um, you know what's funny about that? I have something to say about that. That map is actually being packed with all new like editions of that game. So everyone's calling it a pre-order bonus, but but it's, it's not. not. Yeah, I know. that's not nice. I know because it was supposed to be like wave bonuses, um, and that was the wave bonus for July. But we're still offering it as one of the wave bonuses, like with GameStop. But it turns out it's just packaged with the game. So whether or not you pre-ordered it, it's going to be inside the game. That's pretty sucktastic. I'm not happy about that. Yeah, I know. I was like, but I mean, granted, everyone wants Nuketown. So for us to add, we're not advertising it like that anymore at GameStop because we're doing the wave bonuses, but definitely a lot of places are still doing it. Mm -hmm. so. um, well, let's see what else we got. Uh, if you pre-order Halo 4 on Amazon, you get 10 bucks in Amazon Instant Video Credit. 
they, they've started doing that with a lot of games instead of just giving you 10 bucks off your next game. I'm not happy with that because I don't want instant video credit. Yeah, so what's I, that for? All right, I don't want that. I want I want 10 bucks off my next game. Plus, you get a um, what they call an exclusive pre-order bonus with Halo 4. Um which is uh which is armor, customizable armor in game. Oh yeah, um, that's the GameStop one too. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, they actually have the same one. So there's some interesting um pre-order bonuses out there. Um hopefully Amazon will do away with that ten dollar instant video bonus. I don't want that. You yeah. hear that, Amazon? I don't want that. <laughs> Take it away. I want something better. Um, so there's some interesting stuff out there. Check it out. Um Pre-order your stuff if you desire. Um, I'm like I said, I can I can never pre-order from Amazon because then I end up going out and buying it anyway. Because my pre-orders have not been coming same day from Amazon lately, and that makes me sad. Yeah, that's too bad. And impatient. It's definitely. Um, I mean, the nice thing I don't know stuff is the gaming devil, but. Is most people think that we're all like taking money, but it's just it goes okay. towards the cost of the game. Just a second, are you? Is it just me, or are you fading out for everybody? Uh, she sounds fine to me. Okay, it must be me then. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but it it like basically guarantees you any of the free things you're gonna get, and I don't. Hello? Hello? We're losing our oh, no. connection here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear I you. Can hear you. I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Some, inter- some internets, man. Hopefully it's not me. Well. Anyway. Anyway. Either way. <laughs> So, pre-order, uh, get lots of bonuses. Pre-orders, get lots of bonuses. doesn't matter where you do it, just try. <laughs> right. And be patient if you pre-order online, because you might not get it, you might not get a release day. Right. They used to, they used to guarantee release day. They don't even guarantee release day anymore. Now they have that stupid yeah. price guarantee instead of release day guarantee. Yeah. I don't want a price guarantee. I want my game release day. It seems silly that they can't send it out like right away to you and get it to you day one because we they get our games us. yeah I mean we get our games sent to us like a good six days ahead of time so shipping isn't that long for those I mean when Gamefly if, if I'm if I'm lucky enough to get a release day game from Gamefly I get it release day they send me the little notification the day before that is shipped and I get it the next day yeah should be like that for everyone mm-hmm and I'm an Amazon Prime member, damn it. I pay you like yeah. a year. I need my I need my game release day. I need my extras. I need my yeah. extras. Um, so I think that's about it for deals for broke ass gamers. Yep. Um, and after this month you will really be broke because I've got the two Assassin's Creeds that I gotta get. I gotta get uh, Lego Lord of the Rings. Halo four. Halo four. XCOM. XCOM. You know, I'm I'm iffy on XCOM. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no surprise there. So I'm gonna be broke this month, man. Um, mm-hmm. so we shall see what happens. We shall definitely see what happens. Um, and then hopefully it'll slow down after that. 
We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah, not if you're getting the Wii U, but I know you're not, so I won't even. I don't know. I'm if I'm not <laughs> the Wii. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I've been burned too many times. I'm waiting. Yeah. Smart. Uh, Smart. I'm gonna spend my money on games and a decent set of head and a decent headset. Mm-hmm. So. I think I'm going to buy, I saw, I finally found the one that uh, Sony was touring with on their campus tour, um, and they were pretty awesome. They're comfy, they sound good. I haven't tried the chat portion of them yet, but um, I'm going to check those out and see if I can get those, because they're wireless too, um, Alex Lang, and I'm so I might check those out and see how those are. Um, and then they're the Pulse ones. So they're so. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking. Those about. are pretty sweet. Those. Yeah, those are really nice. I do know, and I I will say this: um, most of the Turtle Beach 360 headsets are compatible with PC. The, the wireless. Yeah, yeah, most of them are compatible with PC. Uh, Alex Lane, is that your dog? Yeah, that's my dog. So uh, I might uh. I might check those out because I've, I've tried, like I said, I've tried the Pulse ones um, when they were doing the campus tour thing. Um, and they work for, they actually work for the Vita too, I think. Mm -hmm. So that would make me happy because I have a Vita. Those are good. So, and, but they're pretty pricey. They're a Yeah, all the wireless ones are pricey. Well, Alex Lane's were, Alex Lane, she's going to have to give us a full Ooh, review. 75. Yeah, you have to, you're gonna have to write up a review on those for us for, for the website, and maybe yeah. I will buy a different pair just so that I can write up the review. Because um, this one, yours doesn't work with the Vita, but this one does, so maybe that's what that'll be the difference for me. The Pulse ones, regular price are 150, but I can get them for uh, 136.30 on Amazon. Oh, that's nice. So yeah, all of our like the Turtle Beach wireless headsets start at 79.99, and that's just like all almost all of our wireless headsets start around 70. So, so do you? Uh, well, I'll have to go into to GameStop and check too and see if they have any that work with the Vita too. That's been my biggest thing, um, is that I want ones that are going to work with the Vita too, and I yeah, and these do so. Sweet. All right. Yeah. So. Until next time, uh, we actually have our, our whole kind of next series of, uh, of episodes planned out. So our next, uh, our next episode is going to be the, um, the Halloween special, shall we call it? <laughs> and I think we're pretty I love the excited for that special. one. It's going to be fun. So, you know, keep an eye out in a couple weeks for the Halloween special. Um, and we have also started talking about doing our holiday game guide again this year, which this year we're going to have out in time for Black Friday. We did, we had it out. I think we put it out the week after Black Friday last year. This time we're going to have it out in time for Black Friday so that Woo. you can send all your friends and family members to Not Your Mama's Gamer for a list of things that you want for Christmas. Yep. There it is. There it is. All right. So, folks, until next time, thanks for um, joining us at Not Your Mama's Gamer. You can always email us at nymg or nymgamer at gmail.com. Um, you can uh, follow our blog at nymg.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at nymgamer. 
Um, and look for Not Your Mama's Gamer on Facebook and follow us there. Like us there. Participate in our community there. Um, there's tons of fun stuff going on. You can, if you are so interested, buy a T-shirt. That's a great gift. That's <laughs> on the Christmas list. Um, <laughs> you can buy a T-shirt for your favorite gamer um, for Christmas or just because. Um, and... Uh, as we said, uh, as always, um, you can do all these wonderful things and keep up with us, and we'll be happy to hear from you. And you can send us emails, you can send us voicemails, you can send us video mails. We will play them on the on the show and or post them on the site and answer your questions with all of our usual pithy humor. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, so until next time, stay warm. Stay dry, pre-order, and as always, game on. Game on. Game on.